everyone, and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I'm a mom, a teacher, a wife, a writer, and a blogger. And now I have a podcast as well, which you are listening to, and I am so happy that you're here. Today on the show, I'm going to be sharing two great nonfiction books that I've enjoyed recently. In the lifestyle segment, I'm talking about the value of giving public compliments. And my special guest today is personal finance expert and writer, Melissa Leong. She's here to help us find happiness with our money. She has an amazing new book, and she's going to answer all of the money questions that people sent in, so you don't want to miss that. Kicking off the show, two books that I've really enjoyed in the last week. The first one is Becoming by Michelle Obama, which I'm sure you've heard of, but I'm just going to add to the chorus of people who have enjoyed it. Now, by sharing this book, not a political statement on my part. I'm Canadian. I really The American politics don't affect me quite as much. But uh, And a large part of the book is not political, though she certainly does uh, express some of her opinions. But I read it because I love memoirs. Her story I find really interesting. Um, Like even just little tidbits that she wasn't really thrilled about Barack's political ambitions. And she took a lot of convincing even when he was running for for things that were stepping towards the presidency. She wasn't uh, all that excited about it. Now she swears herself that she will never run for office, which which I do believe based on how she describes herself. I, I don't believe it's something that she's interested in doing. She wants to be able to uh, to help um, get things done outside of politics. But she also opens up about different marital disagreements. It's funny how Barack was uh, really against marriage almost or didn't find it that necessary when they first got together, which made for an interesting uh, proposal. He did a good fake out when he proposed marriage to her. They had fertility struggles. I also love behind the scenes of anything. There's behind the scenes of shows or movies or different things. And she really does give you a behind the scenes to the political campaigns as well as the White House different things that that I hadn't heard of that had happened um, and then just her whole role and how that works. I also think it's really interesting. She makes a point about how she couldn't understand, you know, people kind of being obsessed with what she wore and that sort of thing. But then she realized, almost realized how to play the game, that she wants to get good things done. She wants to be able to use her voice and use her platform. So if that means putting some effort into her clothes, picking interesting pieces, working with certain designers, and also working on her own message and her delivery, if that's what she has to do to then be able to make a difference for good, then she was willing to do that. And just I found all of that interesting as well. Um, and then just she kind of wraps things up with her life now, now that the the eight years of the White House are over and just the big difference, um, the big difference in the way that she can live. So it's a really, um, really full of information about her life all the way from the start. And I always find when I read memoirs, biographies, autobiographies, I have to admit I'm not as interested in the childhood. I mean, there's always a few little pieces from the childhood that sort of make you go, oh, interesting, or, you know, how that affects who they are as adults. I don't love when there's chapters and chapters and chapters about childhoods. But um, but aside from that, lots of interesting information. It's, it's written in a really great voice. I mean, she says in the acknowledgments that she couldn't have done it without the help of, and she names someone who obviously helped her write it, but it does seem like her voice, which is great. The other nonfiction book that I'm very late to the game reading, but I, I read recently, is Molly's Game by Molly Bloom. So it's the true story of a 26-year-old woman behind the most exclusive, high-stakes underground poker game in the world. And it was published in 2014, and there was also a feature film made about it, starring Jessica Chastain as Molly Bloom, which I really want to see. I want to see the movie as well. But the book is really good. I mean, this woman moved from Colorado to L.A. and basically, you know, started out a little bit doing some waitressing and 
then her boss brought her on to his business, and then he was running this um, insider poker game, and eventually she took it over. I mean, she made $3,000 in tips the first night she helped with this game, um, and legitimate income the way it was, was going at first. Um, but then uh, things kind of changed a little bit eventually, and she sort of went into the gray area of not not so uh, legitimate and ended up getting in some legal trouble. But we're talking about big names like Ben Affleck, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tobey Maguire, Matt Damon. These guys were all involved in um, in her game. So fascinating sort of Los Angeles, Hollywood kind of culture. I mean, I, I know how to play poker, but I don't know a lot about how all of that works. And then just some of the, the seedier sides of Hollywood and um, and just the big money that I just can't even believe. And some of them are Hollywood names that you would know, but some are, you know, businessmen or or just from rich families, that sort of thing. But the amount of money that they could throw on the table and lose and be okay with it is just just staggering. But again, another fascinating story about someone's real life, which I enjoyed, Molly's Game by Molly Bloom. If you would like to find me on social media, I would love that. I am on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves on Instagram at KateThisMomLoves, and my website is thismomloves.ca. So it's a blog, all sorts of posts. Um, I post at least once a week with something something that's on my mind. And I also have categories for TV where you can see all of my different TV segments I've done. I've got a print category. I've written for a, um, a number of magazines like Canadian Living and Today's Bride, Parents Canada, Today's Parent. I've also got um, got information there if you want to contact me and reach out for sponsorships for the blog or the podcast as well. So lots that you can find there on the site. In the lifestyle segment today, I want to talk about the value of giving public compliments. And it's interesting, studies show that receiving praise can feel just as good as being given money. So keep that in mind if you want to uh, to make somebody feel good. So I want to talk first about giving public compliments to your kids. Kids are always listening to us, but sometimes what they overhear us saying means a lot more than necessarily what we say to their faces. So if you ever have the chance, even when you're talking to your spouse, or maybe you're on the phone with one of your parents or a friend is around, and you can say something nice about your child, and not necessarily the talents, you know, like, oh gosh, isn't my son such a good hockey player, but something like, oh, you should have seen... Um, you know, Susie taking shots for an hour tonight outside, like, wow, she's working so hard. Or, you know, oh, isn't he so gentle with his baby brother? I just love how, you know, gentle he is. Or she is so helpful in the kitchen. She's always, you know, making things up for lunch. Little things like that. It can really also reinforce the behaviors you want to see when they hear you sharing them with somebody else. And they also want to live up to that as well. And and it can be a real boost to them. Even your spouse, when you're out with friends, it can be so easy. And I know I've done it. You kind of make a joke at the spouse's expense, but try doing something the opposite. Try sharing something you're proud of about your spouse or some sort of compliment about them. Um, if your partner is the type you could do on social media. My husband would kill me. He doesn't really even like me putting photos out there. So if I started rambling on about how much I love him and, and sharing all sorts of uh, sweet things, he'd probably um, probably kill me. So I know he's not the type for that, but I do see some lovely posts that people do, whether it's their anniversary or the partner's birthday or just for no reason at all. Just, you know, came home tonight. My husband had blah, blah, blah. It was so wonderful. That sort of thing can can mean a lot when they know that you're sharing that with others. Even at Work. I mean, I wouldn't do um, anything public that looks like you're kissing up to your boss, but people who are your equals, your colleagues, or even if you have people who work for you, when you're at a meeting, being able to say, oh, just wanted to mention such so-and-so did such a great presentation, or you guys may not know it, but this person did this. 
can help to uh, give them a little bit of a boost as well. And in terms of businesses, I love when I see on social media people complimenting strangers from different businesses. I mean, you'll see them say, you know, I just want to compliment Kevin, the server at such and such a restaurant. He was so great with our big group last night, even though there was a big issue and, you know, some sort of compliment. You tag the business, bring it to their attention. I've seen it done with airline people or just customer service or tech support, cashiers. Um, And when you tag the overarching business, that can be really nice for that person because the compliment will trickle down even if they don't follow you on social media. The compliment often trickles down because the head office or whoever uh, runs the social media accounts, they end up sharing that. And so, um, you know, there's always so much negative out there. It's just nice. I mean, I know my colleague at work in the Ontario Kindergarten Programs, there's a teacher in an ECE. And a lot of the partnerships, from what I've heard, don't go that well. But our partnership is amazing. And so when it was ECE Appreciation Day, I wanted to post, you know, a little collage of photos and share how how amazing my partner is. And, uh, and of course, I wouldn't have done that if I thought it would have embarrassed her. But talking about the positive, there's so many things out there that are negative. Now, my... Um, my ECE partner just had a baby a couple of weeks ago, so she's probably listening to this episode while breastfeeding in the middle of the night. So, hi, Sarah. Go back to sleep, Rose. Mommy needs to sleep. I just find that even in terms of being positive, I felt kind of dorky this week because, first of all, I was going around telling people there's this big event that we're planning for our school, and I'm so excited about it. But people almost look at you weird when you say, oh, I've got something really neat to tell you because they're waiting for something negative. They're waiting for a complaint. They're waiting for something, you know, somebody wants to bicker about something. Or even when um, Sarah's baby was born and I was telling people, guess what? The baby was born. You almost feel silly going around work with a smile on your face and exciting news to tell. And I think that should be more of the case. We should be going around sharing these good things and uh, and being able to sort of brighten someone's day as opposed to all the stuff that, that brings people down. So something that you might want to try, whether it's with your kids or your partner or a work colleague or even just a stranger at a business who you want to give that compliment to, it can, uh, can really mean a lot and bring a lot of happiness and joy when you give public compliments like that. I am really excited to introduce my special guest today, Melissa Leong. She is a mom of soon-to-be two. She's a personal finance expert with many writing credits to her name and also a regular guest on The Social. Her new book, Happy Go Money, Spend Smart, Save Right, and Enjoy Life is available now. Thank you so much for being here, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. I'm super excited. All right. So I love something you say right at the beginning of the book. This book isn't necessarily going to make you crazy rich, but it will make your life richer. And I think you were totally right. The book, I just want to start it before I even get to questions. I really loved it. I love, it's got a really fun, friendly tone. It's kind of like having a conversation with your BFF, but your BFF has all the stats and number crunching and everything you need to know about your money. So it's an excellent read and I highly recommend it. So well done. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, I write in my own voice and and I I think I write the way that I talk. So uh, I wanted it to be a conversation amongst friends. I didn't want to browbeat anyone. You know, it's not um, the book is about happiness and nobody likes to be shamed about their behavior. Right. So uh, it's a discussion. Great. So one thing diving right in here that you write is that everyone on social media is a big fat liar. So can you unpack that a little bit? And especially as it applies to, uh, to money. We curate our lives. And if you are using social media, if you're using um, Instagram or your Facebook feed as uh, a place to look at your peers and possibly unconsciously, maybe you are competing, then, uh, 
I, I hope that people also appreciate that everybody is <laughs> lying. Everyone is, is putting their best face yeah. online, right? I mean, uh, you know, budget hotels in Las Vegas have the exact same number of people in it as, say, more fancier, like your Bellagio, mm-hmm. for example. But the Bellagio gets so many more check-ins online because everybody is more likely to brag mm, about that. So we're bragging, right? I mean, you can do anything online and make things look fab. You can rent a private jet just to take Instagram photos in. So you look yeah. like you're going somewhere, but you're right. not. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because it even affects our kids, which you mentioned. And as a mom and also as a teacher, I, I do see it around me sometimes where you say that kids these days set goals for themselves of being rich and famous. And it's not even necessarily they want to be rich and famous for this certain skill or talent. It's they want to be rich and famous. So what do you think is going on with that with our kids? I think it's back in the day, uh, our peer group was who you saw around you, possibly who you saw on TV, but that was, you know, we've always had a, a, a uh, obsession with celebrity, but it wasn't as in your face as it is now. And I mean, there are studies that show that there are research and polls that have done on young people, not just young people, but people in their, um, you know, young professionals, you ask them what their goals are and their first goal is to be rich. Second goal is to be famous. And when I was talking to my niece, I remember asking her, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, oh, I want to, she gave me her answer. And I said, oh, that's, that sounds great. A VP of what kind of company? And she said, no, a VIP. I just, I want to be a VIP. I want to get into parties, get, have all these amazing clothes. And I thought, okay, well, you know, those, well, you have to have a, you know, you have to do something. You have to have Uh a job or, 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 you know, um, provide some sort of service to be able to, um, attain that you just don't suddenly become famous but i think there's this idea perpetuated online and and in popular culture that you can you can become insta famous you can become a youtube star and uh, uh, have it all whatever that mm-hmm. means right yeah no i find that really interesting um in the book you also say that some of the best things for us to spend our money on are experiences, time savers and anticipation. So th- assuming that a lot of the listeners out there right now are moms and thinking about families, what are some examples of each? So let's start with experiences. What are some examples of experiences that families could spend their money on that would be worthwhile, valuable? So one of the things I really regret in my first year of being a mom is and it wasn't even necessarily just me, but it was everyone else buying these stuff too. But I regret spending money on mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I don't even remember half the stuff that we got or, and my son was too young to appreciate it, to use it. What I really remembered from my first year on Matt leave was doing stuff with like doing mm-hmm. things with him, experiencing things with him. And I know some people say, you know, he's a, he's a baby. He doesn't know. He doesn't know that you're bonding with him <laughs> through yoga, through a yoga class. But I thought, mm-hmm. well, no, it's for me. It's for me to also have this experience. And so I really liked those. I really liked, um, I love taking my kid, uh, and our friends now to, uh, events or museums or just things where we can we can do things together and that according to research is a greater bang for your buck because experience the, the experiences um well they mm-hmm. last longer right i mean and they're and they are enjoyed with another person and what makes us happy is our relationships and most material goods are are enjoyed alone and so i i really i really am trying to be more uh, 
conscious about having less stuff and having money for and using the money that I have for experiences and for giving to my friends and, and, and for charity and things that I know now that I've done the research on my book, um, will give me more fulfilling Mm -hmm. happiness as opposed to sort of those in the moment. Oh, cool. Look at this toy. It's going to be amazing. No, exactly. Now this year for Christmas, my sister-in-law and I decided that we weren't giving each other's kids things and we just planned a cousin's day and we did that last weekend and we did um bowling and then we all went out to lunch and then a movie and the cousins just love spending time together oh, I love the, that. the financial cost might have been a tiny bit more than wrapping up a gift would have been but so much more valuable so yeah i love the idea of experiences what are some time savers that you think are valuable for families to spend their money on so people who value time over money are gen- generally happier and you can actually um, you can actually create more joy in your life by choosing time over money. And so for an example of that would be, I quit my um, full-time job in 2014 to be, or excuse me, 2015 to be home full-time with my son. I gave up my $65,000 salary to buy, you know, over 2000 more hours with my, mm-hmm. with my kid. And I don't regret it. It was so worth it to me. Um, in your day-to-day life, that could be, that could look like anything. I mean, that could be hiring somebody to help out with cleaning yeah. once a month. Um, if that's something that really stresses you out and that's something that takes a lot of time away from your family and also takes time away from other more um, fulfilling or lucrative pursuits, like maybe building your business, yeah. for example. Uh, it could be even the things that you do that take a lot of time that you're doing to save mm-hmm. money may not be worth it in terms of happiness. You know, like when you drive around for, for, uh, looking for the best yeah. price on gas, you save a few cents, but you're driving around a little bit. Or when you're waiting in line with your kids to get some free treat, like a free popsicle or a coloring book with crayons and whatnot. But you know, if you're spending half an hour there, you should put a value mm-hmm. on your time. No, excellent points. And I, I know having a house cleaner is so valuable for us. And something else I love is doing online grocery ordering where I just show up and pick it up. It's $5. And honestly, for $5 to save that time for me, so worth it. So no, that, those are great tips. And you also talk about anticipation. So what do you mean there when you talk about how you can get happiness from anticipation? Well, there were studies that show that people were happier ahead of a trip than they were after the trip. And so we all want something to look forward to. We all, um, we, sometimes we discount the, the anticipation that we get. And so, you know, I would ask you, or I would ask any one of my girlfriends, you know, picture somebody who's, you know, picture your celebrity crush. Everybody right now is listening. Picture a celebrity okay, crush. It. How much, and how much would you pay to kiss that person immediately? Now, think about how much you'd pay to kiss them three hours from now, you know, so you can go home, brush your teeth, fix your hair, <laughs> whatever. How much would you pay to kiss them 24 hours now from now, three days from now? People were willing to pay the most for three days from now because they wanted to look forward to it. And so if you can actually spend money on something, but then look forward to it and talk about it. Maybe you're, you've booked some trip for your family. Maybe the, the whole family can count down like an advent <laughs> calendar uh, to that specific vacation or to that day. So you guys can all get excited or, um, it, you know, I think it's the opposite of what we do now, to be honest, which is basically get something immediately from our credit cards and then pay yes. for it later. But you will actually feel more joy if you plan it for the future 
and you uh, make it a family affair where you all, you know, where you all say this great thing is coming. I can relate to that because my family is originally from Ireland a few generations ago, and we've planned an Ireland 2020 trip with my parents and my brother's family and my family. And I mean, the summer of 2020 is still a long time away, but when we get together, it always just seems to come up somehow in the conversation. My brother's found some other, you know, tourist attraction online he wants us to think about or whatever. And so, yeah, I can totally see how we've got that anticipation and that's going to, going to last a long time. And you feel good and you feel excited, right? And you've paid nothing today for that excitement. You're just, you're just super excited for this great thing or the new activity that, that your family member just proposed to, right? Now you're so honest in the book. So about things like your husband going through a mental health crisis, you've mentioned miscarriage, other personal information. Now that your book is out there in the world, do you have any regrets about being so personal at all? I was just thinking about that actually today because my parents have come to visit and my mom expressed some um, reservations. Well, it's too late (laughs) now, mom. It's already out there. But she expressed she expressed her maybe slight dissatisfaction and me revealing some some personal details about our lives and our family and and money the way that we interpret money, the way that you see money often comes from your parents. Right. So the way that your kids right now are forming their relationship with money is from you and often modeled from you. And so, you know, we have to be, you know, you can tell your kids all you want to save money, but they're watching you at the grocery store, you know, with your tap in your your credit card or, or a Christmas running around like crazy, giving everybody presents and then groaning about how horrible the credit mm-hmm. card bill is in January. That's what they see, regardless of that's what you say. And so I did learn a lot of things about money from my parents that I felt that I had to share to be, uh, to be honest. And I know other people will relate to that, but my mom, however, uh, who was an extremely private person, my husband, who was an extremely private person. I mean, most of our friends don't even know his real last name because he uses his middle name as a last name. And so that was really hard for me, mostly just because I didn't want to hurt my mm-hmm. family. I didn't want to hurt the people that I cared about. And so um, I think I, I did check it with them when I was writing it. And in the moment, I think they felt okay about it. But I think seeing it in print is a very different for thing. Sure. So I'm still navigating that. I don't really feel regret because I think that what I've shared Uh, I hope that it helps people. I hope that people see themselves in it. And I hope that they appreciate that. uh, I just wanted to be a genuine, generous person. Um, And the only way that I could do that was by revealing the things about me and and my relationship with money and my journey that I hope somebody else will think, yeah, it's a bit Mm -hmm. like that for me or, whoa, I need to avoid that. (laughs) Well, it makes you very relatable in the book for sure. Um, Speaking of family, you mentioned the importance of surrounding yourself with uplifting and supportive people. And I can see how this certainly impacts just strictly the happiness side of life. But how do you think surrounding yourself with those sorts of people has an impact when it comes to financial happiness? Oh my gosh, so, so much. So, so I'm a big proponent of of peer support. Um, There's lots of research that shows that if you have a money goal, if you have any kind of goal, fitness goal, Getting a group of people around you to help you, you know, cheer you on, some accountability, uh, putting that into place, checking in with somebody at every Sunday and say, hey, did you meet your savings goals or did you meet your spending goal? And have that person say, mm, I didn't, did you? And, you know, it, you need 
you need a little bit of that. And there are a lot of studies that show that people who had a, a had peer support deposited, you know, say three times more in their savings account than people who did not have any kind of support. And also, I think we spend money, um, well, we use money as a tool to make ourselves feel better. And often you do that in a place of stress. And so sometimes you do need people who make you feel good to, to, uh, be there for you. If you're, if you're about to go and do retail therapy after a stressful day at work, maybe call up a friend, you guys go for a walk and have mm-hmm. a talk. So I think it's important that you surround yourself with people who share your values in general, share your money values, people who I think that, um, I think it's also important that you surround yourself with people who not even just friends, but people who you admire for their qualities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you think of you, you are always going to compare yourself with someone that is normal. Uh, it's a natural state. However, if you can tweak it a little bit and think, you know what, as opposed to admiring this person, cause they're just so rich. Why don't we try to admire the, uh, maybe the tenacity and the hard work and the uh, relentlessness that this person has shown in reaching this goal. Um, in, in, in the amount of, uh, uh, dedication they have put into their career. That's something that's a little bit more positive for your life. That's another way to, to quote unquote, surround yourself with people who are more positive because, you know, everyone's going to send out their energy and everyone's going to say, Hey, check this out. Check where we're, we're, check out this new car we bought or this new house. It says a kitchen Island. This is perfect for entertaining, whatever the hell that means. Right. (laughs) Um, and then you feel a twinge, right? Yeah. So I, I have been very conscious over the last few years of trying to spend more time with the people who uh, I think are just more positive for my finances mm-hmm. as well as as well as everything else in my life to be happier. I, I, I feel like I've, I've done a good job, but I feel like it was a decision. Yeah. Like I had to make that decision. Yeah. No, fair enough. You also give some great advice about not checking your investments constantly. And I've definitely learned to do this over time. And I know I, I got some advice. I think it was in a magazine article somebody suggested when you look, for example, at I've got mutual funds. So when I look at the statement that comes, don't think of it as I've lost money. Just think of it as owning an object that's going up and down in value. And it doesn't really matter if I'm not planning to sell it right now anyway, if it's gone down in value. Nobody took my money and has run away with it forever. <laughs> It's just, so that's kind of how I like to look at it when I get a statement, see it going down. How often right. do you think is kind of healthy and worthwhile to be checking where investments are at? I think you have to know you. I think it's very, again, we, I love behavioral psychology. I love anything that discusses um, or that explains why we do the things that we do. And we, if our stocks go up in our brains, we will think, oh Yeah we've made money. Um, and we say that we've made money. We've made money. No, you haven't made anything. You haven't sold Mm. it yet. But if you lost money, your brain is like, you're just so averse to the loss, right? You just, it hurts so much and it makes you panic. makes you feel all these things, makes you irrational. Um, and then often you, you talk about in a sense of, no, 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 I haven't lost anything because I haven't sold it yet. And, you know, just, it's a a different, we feel very differently, but our ups and our downs. So I think you have to know you. And I love that uh, I once spoke to a financial advisor who said that I'm more of a a, a, a psychologist <laughs> who works with people and their money than really a a, a financial uh, or investment um, advisor because people become very emotional about their money. So I think a good place for someone who might be emotional about their money is to check, you know, maybe twice a year or once a year 
Um, make sure things are on track. Talk to your financial advisor if you have one once a year. Make sure that you update them on their on your goals. And in terms of the um, yeah, in terms of the news, in terms of the ups and downs, there will be those, right? Yeah. And if you have a sound investment strategy for that's for the long term, which we should have, uh, then the news doesn't matter. It, it things are things will go up, things will go down, okay. but hopefully. Uh, they will sort of go up and down, up and down, but sort of in a in a upward <laughs> and and uh, sort of a, a upward slope. Yes. If you if you have uh, time. Yes, exactly. To ride it out. And speaking of investments, for the sake of the, all those Canadian moms out there listening, can you explain um, RESPs? I mean, just a, a brief definition and why families should be taking advantage of those. Yes. So the RESP is by far the greatest bang for your buck if you want to save for your kids' future education. So um, people say often to me, they get things, they, sometimes they get, they get it confused. They'll say, yes, yes, I have RESPs. They're like investments. I'm like, no, no, no. Your RESP is just an account. Mm -hmm. It's a pocket. It's like a purse and you put stuff in it. The great thing about the RESP is that when you put stuff in it, the government basically gives you a high five in the form of free money. Yes, free money. Uh, because they, I know, free money. <laughs> I say free money and who's turning down free money? But, you know, think, eh, I'll do it later. I'm like, no, you're missing out on free money. So if you put, say, um, I think the maximum you can get every of free money every year that you can get per child is $500. So if you put, say, $2,500, it's about $200 a month in your RESP account, the government will give you 500 bucks to a maximum of $7,200 per child per, uh, for, as a lifetime limit. Mm -hmm. And that money that sits in there, as the, including the free money that the government has given you, uh, will sit in this account and will grow if you invested in different kinds of products like mutual funds, like stocks, or, or um, whatever you choose uh, that will fit your needs and your, your timeline. It grows tax-free. And then your child pulls it out. Uh, and it's taxed with, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's used for your, your child will use it when he or she attends post-secondary education. Mm -hmm. uh, we have been taking advantage of this since the girls were born. And I think it's one of the best financial decisions we've made. So very happy with that. It was one of the very first things that I did. I think I got, I think the, I, I got out of the hospital and I was on the computer trying to sign up <laughs> for, um, I get to get my kid, uh, uh, the, his SIN number so I could just, so I could get an RESP. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great decision. Now, as Canadians, you also joke that we do a lot of preparations for our actual winter season, but we don't think as much about the possibility of a financial winter. So what do you mean by that and how can we prepare? I think sometimes when I bring this up, people think, well, that's depressing. I don't want to think about worst case scenarios. I don't want to think about bad things happening in my life. But, well, you know, okay, life is life mm -hmm. and stuff comes up, stuff happens. Yep. So last, in one month alone, I had a leak in my roof that flooded through the basement. Our, car, our not brand new, but our used car that we bought two months ago that we barely drove broke down. Um, the furnace went out. So we have, mm -hmm. we're, we're installing a new furnace today. Um, <laughs> And I have, I have other plans. I have a baby coming that I'm trying to save for. And, you know, luckily my husband and I have learned 
well, learn the hard way that life doesn't always go the way that you want. So if you want opportunities for the future, you have to plan and, and use your money in a way that gives you more choices. So for example, my husband, uh, you mentioned, and I do mention in my book right away that, uh, my husband, um, was hospitalized in 2014. He had anxiety and suicidal ideation and depression and our, you know, more money would not have made that time so much better because he couldn't fix him, but money troubles would have made that time so much worse. Mm -hmm. So we had an emergency fund. So that's something that families should have just in case anything happens, whatever that is, in case you lose your job for a period of time, in case something in your house breaks and you don't want to put it all in your credit card, uh, an emergency fund of, of something that you feel that would float you say maybe, maybe three months worth of, of uh, living expenses to support your family. So that's one thing we had. We also had disability insurance in case he could not work because he's self-employed. I'm self-employed. If nobody works, nobody pays the mortgage. We also chose a house that was well within our budget so that we could afford it. And we weren't stretched to the nines. We skipped our honeymoon. So we wouldn't go into debt because when you have a lot of debt and the storm comes, that's like, Mm -hmm. it's like being in a boat with holes in it already. Right. It's just, it's going to make things so much worse. And so there is a way to live your life today to ensure that, yeah, if you're happy now, I, that's amazing. But you, you also have to bulletproof that happiness. You have to prepare for a time where things are unexpected, the unexpected things come, and you can still be happy during that time, or at least focus on the things that really matter, which may be healing or which may be just like, you know, keeping your family happy and, and your relationship strong. Mm-hmm. So my final finance-related question, I just want to talk about the happiness of giving that you write about in the book. So what can you tell us about how giving, particularly charitable giving, can actually make us happy? So worldwide studies and surveys show that whether you are rich or whether you are poor, if you give to charity and if you donate your money, you will feel more satisfied with life and you'll feel wealthier. And so I often, you know, sometimes in families, um, when things get busy, you have so many competing priorities. Yes, sort of the charitable charitable giving part of your budget falls to you know, maybe Christmas time when you're when you're in the spirit of giving or when you're at the checkout line and somebody asks you for a certain donation or when somebody comes to you. And it's not I find that um, it's not as empowering as you sitting down with your family or you sitting down with your kids and having a discussion with them about, well, you know what? We want to we're very fortunate and we want to donate and share uh, a little bit of what we have with some other people. So what are the things that you guys value? What are the causes that really get you fired up? So see if your daughter saw a documentary about polar bears and, and she saw images of starving polar bears and she feels terrible about it. Maybe we can talk about supporting some ecological organizations or say someone in your family is, is fighting cancer right now. Can you and your, um, you know, can you organize something at your next kid's birthday that in lieu of gifts, you know, this, this, uh, this bucket here is we're, uh, you know, collecting, collecting donations for um, the Canadian Cancer Society, just mm-hmm. something that also engages the whole family where you all can feel um, uh, that you also have a purpose with some of that, with some of that extra uh, money that you've earmarked towards charity. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's great. And you also mentioned a couple of sites in the book. So charityintelligence.ca for Canadians and charitywatch.org for the States. And just because people want to know, like if they're giving money to a charity, what does the charity do with it? Where do the funds go? Are they legit? All that sort of thing. So it is great to have those, uh, those resources to help us get information. 
Absolutely. Make sure you get a receipt so that you can document it for tax purposes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're not sure about the charity, make sure you get, you know, read online reviews, check out some of these um, third party sites, as well as, um, you know, a lot of newspapers and magazines print uh, they 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 put report cards about charities too, so you yes, can have yeah. an idea. So it gives you an idea of whether or not your money is going to um you know it's the best use of your money, right? You all want to yeah. feel you want to feel that that your money is is helping people. No, exactly. Now my final question, which doesn't have to be related to finance at all, okay. is do you have any this mom loves or favorite things that you would recommend to listeners? Oh, favorite things. Okay. Um, huh. I love reading. And so I love nonfiction books that, that, that discuss the talk about behavior. So I like, um, the power of habit by Charles Duhigg. It talks about why we do the things we do, the habits that we have. I like any book by Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Blink. I love, uh, uh, um, David and Goliath. Favorite things, favorite, um, my favorite money app is Flip. It's basically an an aggregator for all the flyers in your neighborhood. And so you put in your postal code and all the flyers in your neighborhood just appear on your phone. You could do your grocery list there. If I walk to a grocery line, uh, I could just pull it up really quickly and maybe, you know, um, price match something. That's oh, one of my right. favorite uh, apps. One of my favorite, oh, I just used this recently, yesterday. My favorite uh, browser extension is something called Honey it automatically searches the web for coupon codes. So right before you check out, if you're online shopping or if you've even just bought online groceries, it will search the web and plug in all of these codes for you and see oh. and automatically, you know, you could, like I've just randomly saved $5, $10 here and there um, just through this um, extension. Oh, excellent. Those are great ideas. Some things I haven't heard of. Thank you. So Melissa Leong's new book, Happy Go Money, Spend Smart, Save Right, and Enjoy Life is available now. I will put a link in the show notes as well as links to Melissa's site and social media accounts so you can give her a follow and learn more about how money and happiness go hand in hand. You can find it all at thismumloves.ca slash podcasts. And this is episode 15. Thank you so much for being here today, Melissa. Thank you so much, Kay. It's always a pleasure. And that is it for episode 15 of This Mom Loves. As always, I will have all of the information that you need in the show notes. So I will link to the two books that I recommended, as well as Melissa Leong's awesome new book, Happy Go Money, and her social media accounts too, so you can find her. If you enjoy listening to This Mom Loves, I would love if you could rate or review or both the podcast, wherever it is that you listen to it. And if you could share it with other people, that would be great too. Just let your friend or or colleague know that there's a great podcast that they should be listening to. You may even need to help them them figure out how to listen to podcasts. There are a lot of people out there with that question. And again, if you want to just give me a little shout out on social media to let me know that you listened to the show today, maybe one of Melissa's tips really... um, Uh, hit home for you and you're going to try one of her pieces of money advice maybe you have an opinion about one of the books that I talked about or if you want to give a public compliment to someone like I recommended tag me in that as well or send me a copy I would love to see it so again Twitter and Facebook at this mom loves Instagram at Kate this mom loves and it would be great if we could start spreading some of those positive messages around until next time have a great week